This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Many people think of Tesla as the dominant force in the electric vehicle market. However, there's another company that's proving to be far more profitable. Chinese EV maker BYD Company Limited, which counts Warren Buffett as an investor and has a joint venture with Daimler Auto Group, reported a 632% jump in first quarter profit thanks to strong demand. BYD sold over 117,000 vehicles in the first three months of the year, which is about double what Tesla had reported in its last quarter. So what is BYD doing differently than Tesla? Joining us on the phone, John Paul McDuffie, Director of the Program on Vehicle and Mobility Innovation at Wharton's Mac Institute for Innovation Management. He's also a management professor here at the Wharton School. And also joining us, Willie Shi, who is a professor of management practice at Harvard Business School. John Paul, great to catch up with you again. Willie, great to have you with us as well. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Willie, you've been there to see their operations. So what do you see from BYD? Well, BYD has a long history, uh, first in the battery business. You know, they've been making batteries for almost two decades now, first for mobile phones and portable electronic devices. And they were pretty early up in scaling up uh, batteries for making electric vehicles, not just for uh, automobiles, but also electric buses. So they have gotten a lot of practice over the last decade, for sure. What about what about the any support from the Chinese government? Well, in China, uh, most companies have strong support from the government, and this is not very transparent. Oftentimes, it is in the form of subsidies. But I would say BYD has had the advantage of Chinese regulation in terms of the government mandating the use of electric vehicles. For example, most of the taxi cabs in Shenzhen in southern China are BYD electric vehicles. John Paul, it is interesting, as we mentioned at the top, that we think of of Tesla as this company that is going to be the leader in this area, yet it seems like BYD is, is maybe several steps ahead of Tesla right now. I mean, it's worth remembering that, you know, Tesla started as a luxury EV company, and they've struggled to get down to a model that can sell at a mass market price, the Model 3. Um, BYD has really uh, had more of that, you know, small to mid-sized range with prices that are quite affordable, particularly with subsidies. Uh, and that part of the mass market is not really been you know, wildly successful when other manufacturers like Nissan with its Leaf, uh, Chevy, GM with its Bolt, those are the probably the best-selling competitors. But BYD has a whole range of products that have been selling uh, very well in China. How much uh, of it is also, I would imagine, Willie, the, the mindset of the Chinese consumer to understand that this is a viable option for them? Well, the Chinese consumers uh, respond very much to the framework of regulations and incentives. So, for example, one of the things that the Chinese government has uh, done that really has helped the EV industry is uh, by promulgating regulations. For example, if you want to get a license plate in many cities, it might take you a year. But uh, uh, if you purchase an EV, which may have subsidies embedded in it as well, oftentimes you will get the license plate with the EV. So that's a huge incentive for somebody who wants to move into uh, an entry-level 
entry-level vehicle uh, to buy something like a BYD. I mentioned the numbers, uh, John Paul, that that BYD sold last quarter. Yet China is such a a large country, one hundred and seventeen thousand vehicles. I, I I think for a lot of people, while it is a success, they, there's probably still quite a lot of room for them to go in terms of really truly building out an unbelievable marketplace in China right now. Yeah, I mean, it's always important to put into perspective some of the numbers about electric vehicles. You know, worldwide, it's just barely hit 2%. Even in China, which is the biggest market in the world, it's only about 4% of the of the total market. Um, part of why BYD's numbers look really good right now is that a year ago, they were in a big slump in both sales and profits because some subsidies that they had depended on for their vehicles had been cut. And so that makes the year-on-year look really big. But it's just about, it's not really a reflection on them as a company. It's just how volatile the situation is and how much this is an industry that is still dependent on subsidies. You know, some new subsidies came along that were based more, gave more subsidy to longer-range vehicles, which helps some of the companies that are doing the the more modern investment in better batteries, which would certainly include BYD. But there's an announced policy that all subsidies for EVs are going to be phased out in China by 2020, viewing EVs as now a mature enough technology to not need the subsidy. There may be some carbon tax or other things that come along. So it's a kind of changing situation. But I absolutely agree with Willie. Um, China has been willing to you know, pull all of the policy levers available to them to really uh, jumpstart the electric vehicle market and, you know, stake out a claim to be, uh, you know, not only the biggest market in the world, but the one that is accelerating the pace of the transition from internal combustion to electric. Willie? Yeah. And John, you know, I think one of the things that the Chinese government looks at when they look at this market is they see this transition from internal combustion engine to electric as an opportunity for their manufacturers to become global leaders because they aren't burdened with any of the infrastructure uh, or the existing ways of working associated with making internal combustion engines. Right. So it's if you want to start with a clean sheet, you don't have anything you have to protect. Right. So the government is really uh, piling on the incentives as a way of capturing global leadership in this market. So you already see that response with companies like Volkswagen, BMW, and others agreeing to source batteries in China, for example, or even uh, starting to think about using China as their lead market for the development of EVs. So is BYD then, Willie, are they already starting to make some of these inroads in in other locations around the world at this point? Well, uh, BYD is a really interesting company, and I would say they are characteristic of uh, many of the uh, kind of private Chinese automakers who are really very aggressive and doing quite well. Uh, You see them uh, very ambitious. You see them moving on a very broad front with very quick product cycles. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that one of the things they uh, have done is they've invested in electric buses. Uh, And uh, a lot of that was because of the battery technology that they started with, which was lithium iron phosphate. Uh, uh, I actually brought a class to visit uh, one of their battery factories, and it was enormous uh, long before the Gigafactory was there. This was already at 10 gigawatt 
facility, and they were making these large battery packs for buses as a way of driving practice, right? So what you see in these Chinese companies is very rapid product cycles, willingness to experiment in the market, market conditions that are ripe for that kind of experimentation. And in combination, uh, it's a very powerful uh, it's a re- very powerful enabler of market growth. So could they, in your in your mind, a- at some point down the road, have an impact here in the United States? Well, I think uh, the auto market is uh, a little restricted because we have safety regulations and a lot of different standards for different companies, uh, for different countries. Now, you already see BYD has an electric bus effort based out of Los Angeles, okay? The question is, will their cars make it into the U.S. market? China so far, uh, there there are a few imports. Uh, GM uh, brought one uh, uh, mid-tier crossover uh, nameplate in to the U.S. market. Uh, Volvo, which is now owned by Geely, uh, brought some Chinese manufactured cars into the U.S. But in general, they haven't been very successful in the U.S., but uh, I would point to a lot of emerging markets to look at where they are practicing. And I think it's only a question of time before they are in the U.S. John Paul? Yeah, I think this is an interesting backdrop to the, the electric vehicle push. Uh, you know, the Chinese government certainly wanted its domestic automakers to be exporting to the world by now. Um, they had this policy of foreign automakers needing to do joint ventures with the domestics as a mandatory part of selling in China, and that was a way for them to learn from the foreign multinationals. You know, the market was growing so quickly in China, I think it was partly easier to to sell into that rapidly growing domestic market than to reach for the high levels of, uh, you know, quality and safety that are expected in the U.S. market, for example. Right. So, you know, when the sales of internal combustion vehicles were so disappointing, then this opportunity to really do a big push in electric, which was a relatively underexplored space by the multinationals, became more and more appealing. And, of course, selling electric vehicles in China has some valuable public policy goals as well as these uh, sort of industrial policy goals, reducing pollution and, and the like. So... Um, yeah, so I think really I don't expect such a big push for Chinese domestics to export their conventional internal combustion engines. I think it will be some of the first most successful EV models that they'll try to export. And I agree with Billy. They'll probably start with developing countries first before tackling the U.S. and Europe. So, Willie, part of this, I think, is also the infrastructure for charging for the stations and such. And is BYD, how much are they invested in that part of the story? Well, uh, you do hear complaints from uh, taxi drivers in Shenzhen who have a BYD electric cab about, you know, the charging infrastructure and so on. Although, you know, China has some very dense urban markets where they're able to put in that type of infrastructure. So uh, I I think over time that is not going to be a problem. They're going to be very aggressive on that. Uh, Let me come back to the notion of exporting, especially for internal combustion vehicles, because I think as uh, some of the big multinationals like, for example, General Motors and Ford pull back from areas like Europe, Latin America, particularly if you 
look at uh, uh, you know Latin America. I was in Chile earlier this year, and as uh, the American nameplates kind of pull back, you see the Chinese kind of filling those in. You see the Chinese have made a big move in Africa, which used to be a market that was dominated by the export of used cars from Japan, for example, and the Chinese have really basically replaced that. So I think we're going to see a big move into kind of second-tier markets, okay? And over time, uh, they will develop that infrastructure, that sales and service and support infrastructure, and that'll set them up well for electric vehicles over time. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in with a comment or question. We are joined on the phone by John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School, also joined by Willie Shee of Harvard Business School. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. John Paul, I mentioned Warren Buffett as one of the investors in BYD at the top. How much does having Warren Buffett backing you assist BYD moving down the road? And and obviously the the finances are one thing, but having the name and the and the strength of uh, of seemingly Warren Buffett's success behind this company as well. Yeah, he was a quite early investor. Um, it's mentioned a lot that Warren Buffett is an early investor. It's mentioned in news stories. I think it's mentioned by BYD as well. It was a big vote of confidence. I think it elevated their international visibility really quite a lot. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Warren Buffett is famous for uh, buy and hold and being a patient investor, but he probably wouldn't have stuck with it unless he saw, uh, you know, progress and steady profitability and good new products and, and all of that. You know, this diversification into electric buses was smart in a bunch of ways. It's it's often smart to diversify, but electric buses look like a very good use case for uh, the electric technology because they go shorter distances. They have uh, pretty relatively predictable schedules. The duty cycle of less than a 24-hour day uh, also gives good opportunities to set up the charging infrastructure on an efficient um, basis. So BYD has a dominant position in electric buses in China, but that's really been their first successful export product into uh, the U.S. and other places. So, you know, those kinds of smart moves, I'm sure, have uh, pleased Mr. Buffett as well. But they have also, Willie, I mean, not just electric buses, but they are looking at at other types of vehicles that they can electrify, things like street sweepers, forklifts. I, I mean, they, they seemingly are, are able to what feels like take a a base mindset, a base technology, and be able to apply it to a variety of other types of vehicles. I think that's right, Dan. I think they're uh, very aggressive. And if you look at their product showcase, uh, if you ever have the chance to visit it in Shenzhen, you know, they have made all kinds of products. Uh, They're even talking about, you know, uh, electrifying construction equipment. And a lot of it just comes from this core capability and battery technology. Uh, The other thing that I think is important to look at when you look at this company is the rate at which they improve. If you drove around in a BYD car 10 or 15 years ago, and I've done that, it it wasn't uh, a great product. It was more a copy of something that was selling well in the market, and they will admit that. But if you look at some of their uh, products today, 
you know, they have actually quite a few innovations that they brought in as they just constantly experiment and do very quick uh, product cycles. Okay, and I think that's a huge advantage for them. John yeah. Paul? Yeah, um, uh, absolutely right that they started as a battery company, so that's their uh, core competence, and they think of extending it. It kind of reminds me of one of the ways that we all got to understand Honda in its early days of being so successful with vehicles. And, you know, Honda really had superb capabilities in engines. And what did they do? Uh, They started as a motorcycle company. They went into cars, but they also went into outboard motors and generators and all kinds of other things using, you know, fuel-efficient and low-emission motors. So uh, it's a similar kind of path. 844-942-7866, or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. You know, John Paul, it's interesting, and with you both mentioning the success that BYD has had as a battery company, really before they got into uh, the electric vehicle side uh, of the operations, it makes you wonder whether or not there is a to a degree, a certain path that, that these companies need to follow in terms of building out this success and whether or not Tesla is maybe in, you know, in the middle stages of that and still has a way to go. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of different things you have to master to be a successful um, automobile maker, whether in internal combustion engines or in electric vehicles. And, you know, part of, I think, the, the, the sort of quieter successes of Tesla, the less uh, exciting ones, are how they've managed to not only come up with great designs, but they've, you know, built a design a supply chain. They've uh, figured out manufacturing, um, you know, still with some struggles. They're figuring out sales and service, and parts distribution is one of their latest difficulties, but they're going to overcome that as well. So BYD has had to do the same thing. You know, starting as a battery maker doesn't necessarily make it easy for you to learn all those other aspects of the traditional auto industry. Um, you know, I think this, uh, observation that they started off by imitating other models. You know, one famous one was a imit- imitation, basically, of a Toyota Corolla. Right. Uh, early imitation, but rapid learning pretty quickly leads to innovation. And I think we should all learn not to underestimate, uh, you know, a strategy that looks like imitation at first, but rapidly progresses beyond it. Willie? Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, fuels that learning is having a market that they can sell into, right, so that they can practice, they can uh, practice in enormous volumes and really drive down that learning curve, right? So you, you will find BYD sold batteries for lots of different applications. I mean, the big one early on was mobile phones. So that really drove their practice in manufacturing. And then as they scaled up, you could argue, for example, uh, that the bus application was one where it was not that critical mm-hmm. from a size and weight standpoint, right. right? Because it's a bus, uh, but it drove the consumption of a lot of different batteries. If you walk through their battery factory in Shenzhen, which they're constantly expanding, it's an enormous facility. And having those uh, intermediate markets that will consume the output of their practice, that's a huge advantage. or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. John Paul McDuffie of the Wharton School joining us on the phone along with Willie Shee of Harvard Business School. Again, 844-942-7866 or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio132 or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney, L-O-N-E-Y 21. So, Willie, what is the, the, the pricing component 
for the consumer in China that, that seemingly works okay for them right now? Well, the pricing component for cars is a combination of subsidies on the vehicle as well as uh, availability of the license plate. Okay, so uh, and that that's very sensitive to whatever uh, a particular city or province will offer at any given time. Okay, but uh, the other side of that equation, of course, is the cost side. Okay, and that comes from practice and driving scale and driving kind of the learning curve. So it's a combination of all those things. I, I should point out also that BYD is not uh, the only major battery manufacturer in China. There are others as well. And it's kind of that cluster of all these major battery manufacturers that are then driving economies in the supply chain as well uh, in terms of, uh, you know, core technologies, you know, things like cobalt, uh, lithium, all those other materials that you need to manufacture the batteries. John Paul? Uh, yeah, on the on the battery market, um, so far the Western makers of EVs have mostly been using either Japanese or Korean batteries, and the Chinese batteries have mostly sold into the Chinese makers. Um, that will change even simply from a regulatory point of view, because multinationals will have to make electric vehicles in China and they will have to use uh, Chinese batteries. So there's a potential real expansion um, for those Chinese battery makers. I don't know fully what differences in uh, technology or, you know, there's a hardware and a software power management component of of a good battery system um, and how those differ as well, uh, but we're going to have these multinationals in China using the Chinese batteries. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see with uh, China perhaps becoming a lead market for uh, a Volkswagen, for a GM, for any company that has uh, EVs because of the mandates, but also because of the size of the market. What's that competition going to do to the domestics? Um, we've seen it before with conventional internal combustion engine cars that. The Chinese consumers have sometimes gone towards the foreign brands and nameplates, uh, possibly simply because of brand and reputation or status or something, and maybe because of some differences in, in vehicle quality. So in a way, there is a coming um, storm of competition for all the Chinese uh, electric vehicle manufacturers. There's also, uh, people have been saying, uh, perhaps almost some bubble conditions, because with all this uh, Chinese government support for the EV uh, business, there's almost 500 manufacturers registered to make EVs in China uh, with uh, and building capacity up to 3.9 million, which is uh, double to triple the size of the sales that they've had. So right. they're not all going to survive. Um, the big players, the ones with experience like BYD, are, are in a better position to survive a shakeout. But of course, before a shakeout comes some tough price competition. So Price competition domestically, higher-end, techn technologically sophisticated competition from the multinationals could be a, a interesting time. But, what, it, but Willie, what is the, the, the status of kind of like the competition that BYD may face within China itself from other entities that want to build, uh, build up in the, in, the, uh, in the EV market? Well, you see uh, both uh, the domestic companies as well as uh, these joint venture partnerships going after the EV market. So you see, for example, uh, I think Volkswagen 
and General Motors are probably going to start using China as their lead market for EV development. Right. Right? I, I think uh, we already see brutal competition in the Chinese market for internal combustion engines. Right. You know, they sold uh, maybe just under around 28 million and change vehicles last year. They have capacity to manufacture 45 million. Right. So uh, I think we're going to see a highly competitive stage. uh, And there there will be inevitably some kind of shakeout and consolidation, much as the American auto industry looked like in the 1920s. Great having you both with us today. Thank you, John Paul. Willie, thank you very much as well. Greatly appreciate your insight. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. John Paul McDuffie uh, at the Wharton School and also Willie Shi at Harvard Business School. We want to make sure we say thank you to our friends at Harvard Business School for allowing us to use their ISDN in their broadcast studios. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.